0: Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Iron and Soul podcast. I am um, super excited about this episode. I've been um, dreaming about this one. Dreaming is not the right word. It sounds kind of creepy. Um, when I first had the thought of doing this and then I started doing jiu-jitsu, um, I really wanted to have this next guest on to discuss um, all the different things. He has a very interesting... Um, full-time job and then a soup and then he also runs um a jiu-jitsu school here in town so um here we go i'd like to um welcome trevor rivers to iron soul podcast welcome buddy
1: thanks for the invite
0: how's it going in the apocalypse
1: it's going all right uh so in uh life number one we've had our final exam the university of Kansas. So. Okay. So,
0: so tell me a little bit about what it is that you do in life number one.
1: So I'm a assistant teaching professor at the University of Kansas in undergraduate biology. And I got into that route because I wanted to do biology since about second grade and just sort of kept with it.
0: Okay. So what is your doctorate in?
1: So I got my PhD in ecology and evolutionary biology at uh, Cornell university in 2007.
0: All right. So um, I tend to cuss a lot on this. So what the fuck does that mean?
1: Uh, it means I got a pilot higher and deeper degree. Okay. So, I mean, I started, I wanted to do marine biology since watching TV in Jaco Stowe back okay. in the day. I grew up in Washington State. And then at about fourth grade, I had a, a biology or science teacher had me write a report on bioluminescence. And that's really where my passion is with this things that glow in the dark.
0: Essentially. Okay.
1: And uh, so I went to junior college for a couple of years because I was taking that at concurrently in high school. So you can do this degree uh, okay. deal. And then I went to Western Washington University for an undergrad in biology with an emphasis in marine science. And then I... I knew I wanted to go to grad school, but I wanted to take some gap time off. And so I got this job as a program analyst for the U.S. Coast Guard in Alameda, where I was working with icebreaker operations, where I was doing sort of science liaison support mm-hmm. for the ocean-going icebreakers, because those are the only icebreakers the U.S. has that are ocean-going. So,
0: so t- s- tell the um, one listener what an icebreaker is.
1: So an icebreaker is a ship that is specifically designed to create pathways in ice. So one of the main jobs of the Coast Guard is to cut a, a pathway to McMurdo down in Antarctica. Okay. But they also do ocean-going research up in the Bering Sea. And so they got three large ships, and one of them was new, and it was being built, I think, by the time I left, it was just about done, but uh, they have the Polar star, star and the Polar Sea, which are about 400 foot with, you know, an obnoxious amount of steel in the hulls, and then 75,000 horsepower engines. So they, what they wow. do is they just ram up on top of the ice, and then the weight of the ice, breaker itself will crush it and then a backing and so it's called backing and ramming okay with that so
0: so with living in did living in washington did you grow up near the ocean when you i grew, did not did no. not so it was more about watching the shit on tv and taking biology that got you connected to marine biology yeah right? no
1: it's it's weird i don't know why okay right um i had a community college prof that was a Marine bio guy that, so I went to the coast and did some cool stuff there with them. I got certified to scuba, uh, as a graduation present, you know, so I've been diving since 1996. Um, and then when I went out there to Western, which is in Bellingham, which Mm, is in the Puget Sound, um,
0: shout out to Steve Scoggins who lives in Bellingham.
1: (laughs) Uh, you know, when I got into the water there and it was cold and it was, (laughs) murky and it was awesome right i mean it's still i mean when you dive down and you see giant pacific octopus in their own lair right i mean it's it's a pretty neat thing and so i knew i wanted to do marine science and i did a an internship at the monterey bay aquarium research institute where i studied bioluminescence in jellyfish and yeah and uh it was at a conference we were presenting our data where I met my advisor who happened to be at Cornell. I was a West Coast person. I didn't know anything about, you know, what universities were on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I was always told to, to follow, uh, to join a program, to work with a professor, not the program itself. So
0: Okay. So that professor worked at Cornell? Yep. And then said, come study with me?
1: Yeah, he said, uh, you know, if you make it through the mill, you know, I'll take you. And so I applied, and I got in, and so got the position, and moved out to Ithaca, and, but funny story, the bioluminescence thing was, was since fourth grade, I had a teacher have me write a paper on it, so I was always fascinated about that, but I was also interested in Arctic research okay. until I got up into the Bering Sea and we got into sixty-foot seas and we blew out the bridge windows. We <sighs> were sixty feet above um, wow the waterline. You know, fifty-five uh, degree rolls. Wow. And I mean, it was you know it was an adventure for sure. I mean, Fuck we're yeah. a search and rescue platform for this boat called the Arctic Rose that went down, uh, like lost like seventeen hands or something like that. Wow. You know? Um, it was like a crab or a fishing boat from Dutch Harbor. But the weather was so bad, we got back, and things weren't flying out of Dutch. And I was sitting in a small airport bar, and there's an outside magazine that said Discover Belize. And I'm like, I'm doing my research here. And turns out that that was where our research trip for exploration was, and so it turns out that yeah, I did most of my research in Belize.
0: So Cornell's research, the stuff when you went there, did most of their stuff in Belize, no, is what you're saying.
1: No, grad school is is an individual basis. Okay. Of things, right? And so my advisor, my um, academic sibling, and myself went to Belize to check out. So we were on a okay. small island, Southwater Key, and. Turns out that it was like the perfect place to go. You could just walk offshore and see the luminescent animals, and so the you know it's a twelve acre island. Like you don't wear shoes for a month at a time, and turns out that was the best place to be. And so I would go down for a month or two a year, and pretty much on my own, usually stay in the staff housing, and then just do my stuff.
0: So. Kind of fate, but kind of like, this is what I want to fucking do, right? When you point your finger at that discoverer, is that how you kind of live your life? Like, this is what I'm going to do, boom, and then kind of fate takes it, or if you even believe in fate, or or, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, kind of that philosophy on shit?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I would not classify myself as a risk taker sort of like really like immediate decision thing. Like, no, I, uh, like Jess is way more adventurous than I am with things. So Jess is my wife and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty introverted. I'm pretty chill. Like I'm pretty happy where I'm at, but there's certain things that I like to do. Right. You so like that, to
0: be adventurous within the thing that you're interested in. Would is that? Would that be a yeah, fair statement? Yeah,
1: I would say that that's probably, you know, a fair statement. So, and when I do other things, it's great. You but know, you
0: wouldn't be like, oh, I'm jumping out of an airplane. No. <laughs> kind of know, adventurous. I'd rather
1: go in a submersible, right? Right, that, that would be my goal. Right. right. But
0: that's the thing is like, but you're comfortable because that's what you're interested in is going into the space under the sea, right? Cause you're right. trained and that's exciting to you, but jumping out of an airplane because you've never done it.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think I chase novelty. Okay. You know, I prefer to find something I like and then,
0: dive deep get passionate about it and <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> boom 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 yeah
1: uh but yeah i mean same thing with jiu-jitsu right it's like for me a good day is going to work and going to jiu-jitsu right? okay i don't feel the need for extra stimulation in that
0: so before we get into jiu-jitsu i want to talk a little bit about because there's the adventure part of your job your first job where you do get to go travel and be under the ocean and do that stuff. But there's another piece of it is teaching. Right. What about when, when did you realize that you also wanted to do that? Or, and do you even like it?
1: I do. And yeah, let me, I should probably rephrase that. I don't like, I, I mean, novelty is, is funny, but you know, I also go out scuba diving at night with no lights on. Right. I mean, that's what my research is about. Right. right? And so, you know, going out and essentially dropping overboard and not knowing what's down there and just having the time of my life is, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I'm comfortable there, but I could see where people are like, what the hell are you doing?
0: That's Um, me. Like, that's sounds super scary to me.
1: But then you go out there and you sit without your lights on and you look at, so I'd study things like fireflies underwater, except they're like a thousand times cooler. They're called ostracods, and the first time you'll see it, it's about as close to magic as you'll ever see, right? So it is awe-inspiring, and that's sort of what keeps driving me with that. Okay. With the teaching thing, um, my, my position now is, a, is an assistant teaching professor, and that's my job, mm-hmm. right? So pedagogical advancements, using science-based evidence for um, determining what processes I use for teaching is part of what I do, and I'm, I'm really into student success. Um, I'm still interested in, in the research side of things because that's what got me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a job requirement for me. So, like writing grants, going down, I, I've helped film a few documentaries. You know, David Attenborough says my name on one of them, which is kind of sweet.
0: That's um, pretty cool.
1: But that's that I do that because I love doing that. Okay. Um, teaching at the university, I like my job a lot. Okay. I I really do find a sense of accomplishment when students might not know how to study, might be failing at the beginning of the semester and then come out and just kick ass for the rest of the time, right? I mean, that's that's
0: a huge bonus for me. So Okay. Is it that kind of that part where that student's struggling and you get that one-on-one piece and you're able to like guide them through or give them that nugget that they haven't figured out? Or is it that bigger picture?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, it's always gratifying to help people one-on-one for Mm -hmm. sure. But you know, if I was doing my job right, I wouldn't need to do one-on-one in some ways. Right. So, so if I see students that are succeeding and, and you know, but what's "what on one mean? Does it mean having an email conversation? Because, I mean, that has shown dividends too, okay. right? Students coming in or doing Zoom meetings, sure, that's great too, right? Um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing to think that what's normal for academics is completely unknown right. for a lot of people, you know, even, you know, after the high school level. So learning how to study, like thinking about metacognition, thinking about, you know, driving your bus for your education is something that's not innate at this point with first or second semester freshmen.
0: So is that college. who that's who you mainly teach as first and second? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I do a sort of a, a beginning and an end stage. So I often will do like a senior seminar. Okay. Uh, I take students abroad. So I took a bunch to Roatan to go do a, a scuba. Okay. Marine biology, study abroad course, last January and I'll be teaching like a Caribbean reef ecology course in the fall along with, you know, the, the first cell and molecular
0: course. Okay. So it really is part of your, I don't know if passion's the right word, but kind of your, um, Duty—I don't know what the fuck to call it—but like, really, that idea of really hit helping that first year, first semester, like understanding. This is what I heard: the understanding how to study, how to how right. to look at things different than they did before, and and getting it right, right. or and trying to. Anyway.
1: Teaching teaching you how to learn, right? I mean, right. that's really the thing. It's like I don't have all the answers. Like I cannot be an expert in everything in biology, right? I can give you examples. And I can give you the tools that you need to to navigate your own education, but that's really what our jobs are. We're facilitators of your growth.
0: Okay. So then when you get to that next level of like um, end of the spectrum, that senior stuff, what is your expectation and what is your thought process on, on that piece after they've – they're still learning, but it's different.
1: Right. So that's more of a – trying to have a synthesis of your education, right? So a lot of times it's like a reading primary literature, you know, peer reviewed literature Mm -hmm. and discussing it sort of tearing apart some, like some of the funnest parts of of that class are finding a paper that's not that good. And then watching them tear it apart, you know, okay, uh, not just like, I don't like how it was formatted, uh, you know, like I don't get why they use these numbers and sort of getting them to the recognition that you know they've mastered a bunch of different subjects and now they can sort of collate those and put them together
0: okay so currently you just finished the second half of the semester yep. via zoom via video stuff what what were you teaching and what the fuck was that like at, a, at this level
1: yeah so it was uh so it it, it was sort of nightmarish in some ways, right? Because I do think that the, the face-to-face thing does mean something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the course that I was teaching was, you know, selling molecular biology. I had the second half, luckily. Um, the first half I was helping film a documentary in, in Belize, so they were gracious enough to, to let me take the last half. It just so happened that the last half was all online. Oh, um but the structure of the class was such on so Blackboard is like the mm-hmm. the whatever they LMS yep. which I can't even remember what platform for. or whatever yeah, platform. Yeah. You know, so it was it was set up modular enough that when I went and converted the, the videos to or converted the lectures to videos that it that it worked. And I tried to, to be as consistent with my co-instructor style of teaching as possible because the worst thing you can do is have like a class and have two completely different styles. So not only is it one class, you have to deal with two different mini sort of additions right. to it. And so I, I used the same content, exactly the same content that I would have done live. Uh, i used Camtasia, which is a video editing platform and something that I could draw on my iPad. And so I was filming my face as well as me drawing on the slides. And so it was about as good as you could expect. Well, not as good as you could expect, but as close as an in person conversation type teaching thing. It wasn't just read the PowerPoints. It wasn't just watch this. It's like, here, we're drawing this, here's the arrows. Um, you know, I mean, Khan Academy does a great job in a lot of ways with some of this, but it's, you know, fairly, um, topic specific and not necessarily exactly what we want. So, but using the delivery similar to that was a, was a good thing. Plus having actual uh, face for the students to actually see on occasion.
0: Nice. And that was your choice. Did you have your choice of like how you delivered the information? So you really tried to, to give them a good experience at the end, right? Like the best experience they could possibly have.
1: Right. And it was, it, I mean, because just throwing PowerPoints up, is it's just not going to hack it,
0: right? I mean, this is
1: just, this semester was a, let's just try to survive it as faculty and students, right? I mean, there was the option for pass-fail, which is uh, not typically given, but that's one of those things that have been right. offered for the for the semester. You know, for me, it was like, if I do it right now, if I have to do this class in the fall and we're online, I'm done too. So there was a little bit of self-serving right. sort of deal there.
0: But you could have done it. I mean, I know that there's been professors that just put up the PowerPoints and maybe said something over the PowerPoints or didn't do anything. But you chose to do it different, correct?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I doubled my workload yeah, essentially okay. because you know, if you're teaching it in, in front of a class, you teach it once, right? You, you build the PowerPoints, you talk about it during lecture, and that's it. Here, I was... Editing it down to make sure I had the, you know, correct number of slides. I would record it. I would go, I'd edit it. I'd post it. I'd do learning module quizzes. I do all these other things, which, you know, was, was necessary. Right. I think if,
0: is it necessary? Is it
1: in order to do it without, I, I mean, I could do it. So why shouldn't I like, why would I not do that for the students? Right? Like if my job is to educate the students mm-hmm. and to get them to succeed and to get them to learn biology concepts and I have the tools to do it, right? I mean right. why skimp out on it?
0: No, I, yeah. I agree. I I I mean that's that's why I love and respect you is because you don't do shit like that. But there are lots of people in your position that probably did or there's, there's some. I could say there's some. So there is a choice, right? There is a choice in this academic world right now to either skate by or do it like you did and make the experience for your students more effective in this.
1: Right. And I would say that probably the skate by people are the minority. Okay. You know, like I do think that, you know, as a, as a whole, we are in academia because that is what we're passionate about. Okay. Um, the that's problem fair. is some people are technologically not advanced, right? Yeah. Some, they're great in them, person and, right. and
0: teach a great class, but can't do the technical stuff.
1: Right. Or, you know, they, they, they do a particular delivery and that's the way they've been doing it for 30 years and this threw them for a hell of a loop. Right. Right. Um, those people tended to, you know, just record over PowerPoints and and talk, which is still better than just putting up PowerPoints, right? Right, which so, could have been an option, right? Right, and and the thing is, is like, in higher education, funny enough that there is no requirement to have sort of any educational training, right?
0: Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah,
1: you know, we are researchers and scientists. And we supplement, you know, our job duties with teaching We're is teaching, how it's yep. been yep. viewed, right? Yep. There are more and more opportunities for people to, to do this. Like I TA'd as a grad student, right? right? So I taught a couple lectures as a grad student, but I didn't take charge of a, a full-on class. Um, you know, I didn't do any sort of educational, pedagogical things, right? It was sage on the stage. You know, somebody goes up there, they talk and people frantically write down and that's how you do. And if you succeed, that's because you are good at it, Mm -hmm. right? It does not, you know, but that's something like I succeeded in it. That's why in academia, that doesn't mean that a ton of people couldn't have succeeded too, if given the right opportunity and tools to do that. Right. And so that's where, you know, active learning and all these other you know, pedagogical activities are useful because it's not only having the top students succeed and, and do even better, mm-hmm. but it's also bringing those people up that traditionally may
0: not have been doing so well. Okay, so a couple things before we dive in a di- <laughs> dive in a different direction. Um, where do you see like where do you want to go with um, education and teaching? Is there are you kind of just I know that your wife is tenured. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So do you have a plan for yourself career wise in education or are you happy with just where it's at?
1: Right. So academia is is difficult, right? It's difficult to f- find a special dual positions, right. right? And so oftentimes there's what they call like a trailing spouse or a trailing significant mm-hmm. other that finds something um, that's, Usually not a tenure track position at the same place, and that's sort of what happened here, um, but in, in a in a little bit different way. Because I actually contacted people; there was no positions, but I gave a departmental seminar because they invited me to come out and do that. And then it turned out to be that that's how I got my foot in the door. And then I became an assistant teaching professor, which is not a tenure track position, but it's with advancement oh, as okay. well, right? So I can become an associate teaching professor. Oh, okay. Right? Um, and, you know, the way that it's it's written is I do have some time that I can still do my own research, right? I'm not required to write grants, which is a complete pain in the ass. Right. Um, and the probability is, is low of getting them mm-hmm. on the best of days. Right. Um, but I do want to stay, like like the study abroad class is great that I'm teaching, right? Because I can actually go and, and dovetail some of my own research as well as educating students on sort of natural history of, of, this. So moving forward, right. I feel like I've got a great position. Jess has a, you know, a great position. Um, so we'll see where it takes us. I mean, it, it may very well be that, you know, 10 years we decide to buy a sailboat and just live in the Caribbean for, and, and take rich people around and dive naturalist trips.
0: Does she days. like water?
1: Oh, I can't get her out of the water. Really? She is like, you know, the first time I went well, I took her to Belize, right? It was even that first time, right? No lights on, snorkeling at night, she was totally cool. Right? And now it's like completely can just be like, Hey, can you watch these two students? I'm gonna go swim forty feet down and try to do some recordings and
0: you know oh, she's that's just awesome.
1: She's a better diver than I am, which pisses me off. Oh, I bet it does. It totally pisses you off, I bet. <laughs> so I mean, she's small, right? I've got, I, I say I have high metabolic demand, right? Right. And, and it's true. You can sort of slow things down enough, but as an athlete too, which I guess I can still consider myself an athlete. I'll,
0: I'll allow it for you. You have
1: developed the method of getting as much O2 in as possible, right? Because you need that for ATP production. So here's the biology and the the jujitsu coming together, right? So, But that means that immediately when you're doing work, you're yep, and your air just starts dropping down. So like I've got to really stay calm under there, just have my weight calibrated correctly and and just really be as zen as possible underwater because otherwise you're just going to lose air. And Jess could like literally be, like I will take a tank down that has 20% more air than her because it's a larger one, go down, end up with the the minimum 500 pounds of pressure in the tank, come back up, and she'll still have 1,500 out of 3,000 pounds of the smaller tank.
0: Oh, wow. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, man. Yeah. That's funny. So let's talk a little bit about diving and the animals that you're really interested in. Um, under the sea, and what's some of the scariest moments you've had? Things like that. That that sure. shit is so fascinating to me. This, especially the pictures that you showed Jax and I when you got back for, in January. Right. So I fell in love with that stuff, with you. Like it made it more fascinating to have you on. So talk about like that shit.
1: Have you? Bit. I should send you the the documentary if you haven't yeah. seen it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Attenborough's Light on Earth. Okay, and uh, it's on Curiosity Stream, but they actually did a pretty long uh, portion of what we study on there, and it made us look like badasses because we're like going off overboard at night and without our lights on and low light cameras and stuff. But I am again, it's it's glow in the dark animals, and they're called ostracods, and they're huge they're about a millimeter and a half to two millimeters in size but they leave these trails of luminescence that are meters long that they're squirting this luminescent chemical into the water and that's this string of blue bright lights that each species has a different pattern and they could be they we tend to call it like a symphony of lights um, where you can predict which ones are going to go and where and when and then you can you know sort of see how it tails off, but then all it is is these things are males trying to get get laid essentially, right? And they're releasing these And that's that's the reason assets.
0: is the the females are attracted to the light, right? Okay. Supposedly. And, supposedly, right. and the females do not.
1: The females can glow.
0: Can glow, okay. Right?
1: Um, and they do so when attacked by a fish, and I got some like amazing footage of this fish blowing up because it's this super bright bomb of light um but they as far as we know and i'm pretty sure that we know um the females don't respond so fireflies it's often a call and response where a male will flash and then a female sees it and then responds back and then that's this little dialogue of communication problem with that is that there's what's called the operational sex ratio so available males to females Mm -hmm. to mate right and so you know, say humans, right? You have 100 men and 100 women, 50 of them get pregnant, right? During that time of, well, women that are, you know, pregnant, they can't mate again, right? or at least have reproductive output. So then the operational sex ratio is two to one males to female. Right. Right. Uh, In ostracods, it's about 175 to 200 to one, as far as we can tell. Okay. Right, and so the competition is so fierce that if a female flashed, she would just get mobbed. So we think that it's a a way for the female to be a little bit more choosy, potentially. Ah, during this.
0: She's she's choosing which which one has the best evolutionary biology of right. mate. I don't know if I said that right. Yeah,
1: close enough. <laughs> um, but there's there's still so much to to go in there. I mean, it's for every display that you see out there, there's like ten sneaker males. Okay. Trying to find the female at this. So it's like this super complex thing that we're just
0: trying to peel the layers off. This so point. this is totally fascinating. So were you diving one time and saw one of these things happens and that, and that's what you fell in love with? Or did you see it in a movie? How did you know? So,
1: so again, it started with fourth grade Okay. where it was like, you know, Todd, you do this uh, thing on whales. You do dolphins, mm-hmm. you do ducks, Trevor, you do bioluminescence because she knew I was really interested in that. And so okay. like I went down the rabbit hole and I was like, this sounds like magic. And in, in the West Coast, right, there's no fireflies. Okay. Right? They don't exist. And the first time I saw fireflies was in grad school. Okay. And uh, I also lived on the, the east side of the state, which means that there was no ocean and there's no luminescence there. So I don't know why. I was fascinated with it. But like in high school, I wrote a paper on it. In junior college, I wrote a paper on it. And then I did some research in uh, reef ecology with uh, UV and temperature on corals. But then I did that internship at uh, Monterey. Okay. And so like I've just known that it was luminescence. And I studied some jellyfish. I studied some sea pens. But Jim Morin, who was my advisor, was showing these videos of ostracods. I'm like, holy hell, that's amazing. And so that's when I got accepted to grad school to work on those. So the first time I saw ostracods was, you know, December of 2001.
0: Okay. So would you say that that's p- something that's part of your personality is that you get interested in things? Cause I think about like, as you, as you explain that story living on the West side of, or the East side of, um, Washington not by the ocean so then but yet fascinated by the ocean you know at a young age fascinated by certain things that you've never seen before right right it's not like oh I've seen dogs before now I love dogs and I've been around dogs and i now I'm going to be a veterinarian right this is shit that you've never you never saw and then all of a sudden you're like this is fucking amazing
1: well like it it was just so it was was like magic you know Mm -hmm. um And then when I saw it though, I was like, holy hell. Right. Cause I still had an option to do other systems. Right. Right. I mean, it was, just like, let's go see what it is. I'm like, what? Wow. You know? And then I went out to the reef where there were more species. I'm like, what? Like I will still go out there. And if I hadn't gone down to the, to the field in a year, I go out there and the first day is just like, wow. You know, I mean, that's, and, and that's been the since that very mm-hmm. first dive. Okay. Right. Um, I tend not to let go of things for sure. Right. <laughs> um, but I also have a lot of things that I like to do. Right. Which hobby wise is you got to rein things in because if. Right. Can't be good at everything. So. Right.
0: So are there other like, just give me like, if that's not top one of your favorite species, when you go dive and check it, what's like two to five. That you love to see.
1: Hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm stuck between my, macro and micro. Okay. Too. Um. There's so many amazing invertebrates. I tend to be an invertebrate guy. Okay. Like nudibranchs are awesome. Like sea slugs because they have all sorts of different colors and, and poisons and toxins. Um. I'm always excited to see like mantis shrimp. Okay. Because right, their eyes are super incredible um mores are a lot of fun okay um and then like the rare sort of fish like i saw a short-nosed batfish once when i was uh, diving which they tend to walk with their pectoral fins it's this weird creepy like prehistoric looking thing Uh, flying guinards scorpion and rockfish that are really camouflaged rays and sharks are cool
0: you ever had any run-ins with any sharks that made you nervous
1: um, no, I mean, the last time I was down there in, in the, the one day I didn't bring my fucking GoPro, right. <laughs> I was with a professional videographer cause we were doing it for a Nat Geo film and there was a nurse shark and they must've been trained up for lionfish. So they hear us down there, and, mm. you know, cause there is this invasive killing everything in, in the Caribbean. But so they'll come out and I had a, it was like probably a five foot nurse shark that just came and just kind of bumped me in the chest. And I was like, that ah, is the greatest thing ever. That's oh. awesome. Freaked out wise, um, I prefer diving at night with no lights on because I don't know what's out there in some ways. Like when I have my lights on, I'm more, I'm actually more skittish. Okay. But um, there was a a time when I was in Panama and Panama tends to have like tiger sharks out mm-hmm. there and I was about 55 foot depth i was recording so i'm usually just sitting in one place and and filming and my my research colleagues are swimming around and we get back to the surface and gretchen was like where the hell were you going and i was like what and she's like yeah you i was at like 60 feet and you just like cruised over me and kept going down deep and i was like i didn't move you know and then vanessa another like researcher was like yeah he was that that wasn't trevor and
0: oh shit! So
1: we all decided to believe it was a sea turtle. Okay, um, That's, we have no idea what it was, but yeah. um, you know, I've had like air leaks and things go where I'd have to surface. Okay, you know, but not anything crucial. But you know, making sure that your gear is working, you know, is okay. is important. Um,
0: Nothing ever where you got turned around and well. And yeah, kind of, and kind of like anxious and panicky, but were able to yeah. calm yourself. No,
1: the, the, luckily. So when I was doing my research as a grad student, I would be diving by myself usually, mm-hmm. but I was only in like ten feet of water. Okay, right. So I'd go off the shore and I'd just be underneath, and I would be setting traps for my ostracods, and they would have fish bait in them. And then one time I was kneeling down, and there was just this. Like just big wave of water that just went past my face. I'm like, what the hell was that? And so I turned my light on. This huge thing swam towards me again, and it was a like a six foot tarpon. That's a tarpon. You know, tarpon's a big silvery fish. Oh, okay. Um, you know, eats small things. It's kind of a just a little bit creepy. Barracuda are also creepy okay. to me. Yeah, um, they are kind of because they're smart. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know if they're smart or not, but they're still creepy. They
1: are, they're they're wily, and uh, but I like them. Okay. I don't know. There's not many, much that I would not want to be around.
0: Okay. Underwater. Cool. So uh, do you have um, buddies or know any f- guys that like do like study great whites and shit? I just saw um, something on one of my news feeds that they've been tracking this great white shark for like 10 years or something like that. So.
1: I mean, not really. I mean, okay. there's some, there's some people in, in Florida that do a lot of the shark okay. research. Um, you know, the, we tend to be the smaller invert
0: okay. type type. Folks, Never cross path those fellows or nothing. No. Okay. No.
1: Cool. Um, you know, tagging those things. I mean, they're awesome yeah. creatures too. You know, I did see. A, um, let's see what else big did I see out there? Yeah, nothing more. I mean, a lot of nurse sharks, but they, right. you know, I mean, nine ten foot. But... what about like dolphins? Like, do you, yeah? Is that we something... saw we saw dolphins before. Um, kind of cool to to feel the echolocation if you're underwater with them oh yeah you feel the clicking yeah through there um manatee once in in belize which was pretty incredible because it was 15 miles offshore on the on the barrier reef and those things are monstrous and pretty cool you know i missed seeing a basking shark in maine when i was out there which would have been amazing um Probably the last thing that freaked the hell out of me was when I was diving in Puget Sound, and I was probably at 50 feet. The tide changed, changed, and I was in a in a channel, and it sucked me down to about 90 feet. Oh about, shit! Uh, 30 seconds, and I was like grabbing onto a rock and having to pull myself up. Like it was the current was a complete game changer, and that was that was a little bit freaky. Oh, I right. bet. I don't. I don't really worry about myself. I worry about my partners okay. a lot. You know, when I was, I was a bundle of nerves with, eleven novice divers when I was teaching the study oh, breath course. But everybody did great.
0: Yeah. So I had a crazy experience. I would did a, one summer. I kayaked in the Prince William Sound, and um, some big humpbacks oh, came right up real close. Right. And we had to use the you know hit on our kayak to make sure they knew that we were. Oh, see, we got swamped. Yeah. yeah, and then, um, so, like, maybe 10 feet past the door was the... the. But they were, you know, they're so huge, right? So it was like their eye, his eye came up or she's eye came up and kind of looked at me and just... They kind of floated along with us for a while and then went back up, like, deep. They deeped and their tail came up and it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Pretty cool. That
1: would be amazing to be that close. Yeah. I mean, we... I was on a boat with a super pod of dolphins where it was like 300 of them swimming around, which oh, was pretty amazing. And we yeah. saw blue whales on that time, but it wasn't in right the water yeah. itself. But yeah, they're, they're Leviathans. I mean, they yeah, really was crazy.
0: crazy, man. It just, you just don't, you know, and when you're in Alaska, everything's huge, right? right? So just, just the, so it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was, I wasn't scared in the sense of, if we would have been somewhere like a smaller landscape, right. then, then because it gave it scale, right. right? So it was like, oh, that's a big ass whale, but we're in Alaska, where it's, everything's everything's big, yeah. everything's big. So it was really just an interest, really cool experience. But, but we had to bang on them so they wouldn't breach and, wow, yeah. And kind it of That's not. That's my only whale story that I have. When I <laughs> was
1: when I was in Monterey, there was a pot of hop- humpbacks that we're breaching right outside the boat. And, oh, I bet that was cool. Man. Yeah. And we we're putting the submersible over and you can actually see with the mm-hmm. video, the submersible of, of some of them swimming around at that point.
0: Yeah, that's cool. All right. I have to take a quick break and, um, I'm back, but I want to go down the jujitsu rabbit hole here in a second. So we- son of a gun. All right. I'll have auto edit both tracks and put it back together. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. So, um, we had just talked about your, um, your primary, I guess, primary job. All right. Let's, let's take the, the dive into jujitsu. I have been a lifelong fan of martial arts from when I was a tiny kid. I took karate for a little bit. I dabbled in Kung Fu. Um, but I was a fan before a practitioner. Um, And now I'm, you know, as you know, I'm just in the, just this much in, right? But I fell in love with jiu jitsu after watching UFC 2, right? But I also lived in Kansas, so there wasn't a lot of um, opportunities for that. So let's, so here I am, white belt, talking to, and Trevor's going to probably, I don't know if he's going to roll his eyes at me or what kind of face, but a third degree black belt in, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is, um, I would argue a PhD <laughs> in yeah, it, that, that area. Right. I would say that that's,
1: yeah, I would say, I would say that that's fair. That's, I mean, I, I feel like the, you know, people do sort of make the, the, the comparisons with like white belts, like high school and blue belts, college and purple belts, masters and Brown, but you know, those. I've things. never heard it like that. Um, but I don't really. Yeah. You you know the people say that it takes. I mean, it certainly took me longer time-wise, like just to get my black belt in to get my PhD when I started, but that's a little disingenuous, right? Because I also had twenty years of schooling before that before I started grad school. Right. 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 So So, yeah. Um. But but there is some some truth to it.
0: Okay. So where did how did that come about? You know, you got ocean and you have jujitsu. So I'm, I've been waiting to ask this question since I met you.
1: Yeah. I've always liked the, the combat sort of stuff. So I wrestled, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and middle school and high school and took third in state my senior year. And, you know, really, you know, that I, I don't like team sports as much. I don't know if it's because I hate depending on other people or if it's a, (laughs) you you know, you win or you lose based on yourself, right, sort of deal. And when I was in college, like, I'd go to the gym, but I just got bored, right? Like, I wanted, I needed something to do. And uh, as an undergrad, I actually found Kung Fu. And so I did Tai Chi and Kung Fu. I, I needed something beneficial for me, and it was good to be going after a skill that you could build right and that's why okay. I like the martial arts okay and so I did kung fu for you know a number of years when I was working for the coast guard I was going into Chinatown every day you know in San Francisco and, and training you know in the basement with uh, you know 70 year old kung fu master
0: guy. sounds rarely familiar right. mine was very similar to that but in Chinatown in Wichita Kansas
1: well there you go <laughs> pretty similar sizes i'm sure
0: yeah right yep
1: but uh and so i got into grad school and before i left my kung fu instructor well through interpretation from his son was like he says you should just stay here and train you could be pretty good right and i'm like what do you think and he's like you need to go to grad school (laughs) so (laughs) so i so i went to grad school and, you know, the first six months I was, you know, still training Kung Fu, like I would find a place in a gym to get enough space so that I could do my stuff. And I met a guy that did some martial arts, you know, some site Su- type stuff. And so we would train on occasion. And then, oh, yeah, you might as well tell the story. Fuck ho- yeah. Ho- hopefully not too many people that remember this or or will listen to this, but... So I got this letter handed to me one time when I was training from a person that I could see, like they were doing some Taekwondo stuff on the other corner and it was like, you know, we're a, we're an elite martial arts group, you know, that's invitation only. And, you know, our goal is to share the knowledge of our different, you know, like the premise is great Mm -hmm. and we're called the circle. And if you want to meet about, or if you want to, no more meet us at the statue of Ezra Cornell on this date, you know, at midnight. And, oh you know, so th- this is totally like the skulls, right? I'm in an I- Ivy league campus and, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, fuck it. I'm going right. Right. I have to see this. And so I go and sitting there, there was a couple other people that were like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And then, at, you know, like 1201, you know, they, they must've had it, uh, planned, but people came from all sorts of directions and they came in and they're like, you know, we're the circle, you know, we, we only want people that obviously know what they're doing. And and then they talked about the premises. Like, so what we do is we'll reserve a a room and the one person at a time will teach their, you know, a particular move. That's like, you know, indicative of what your style is. And then we do full contact sparring after that. I'm like, sweet. Okay. And, uh, First meeting, the guy, we're learning some kicks or something. And then the third degree Taekwondo black belt guy said, all right, let's do full contact sparring. And he threw a kick and I caught it and I threw him down and just punched him. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it just, it wasn't an, like, I don't think it was thought through well enough. Right. right. This is like still early 2000s. And, uh, but right after that, when people are coming in, there was these people that are doing jujitsu. And my buddy that I was doing occasional training with had also was doing occasional jujitsu. And, you know, he became a... I, I don't know if he's a black belt now, but, you know, worked with, like, Jackie Chan and these people in Village Roadshow pictures. No shit. And, yeah, like... Wow. As a... I don't know if he's a producer or just part of the that sort of stuff. So, super interesting dude. And, uh, you know, I went in and I... Was rolling with a guy that was pretty lanky, and I would get triangled every freaking time because I would reach in,
0: mm-hmm. and I'd be like, what
1: the hell is going on? What is this like wizardry, magic sort of <laughs> stuff? And I was like, this works, mm-hmm. right? And it's, you know, people who who, I, I mean, I'll be frank. This is like the thug martial art, really. Besides MMA, right? Okay. Where. Like it's stripped down and there's no katas, right? Right. There's no forms, right? There's no, you know, some places push it more than others, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, sensei and, you know, know, really bowing to the belts above you. It's That doesn't really exist much. I mean, you should respect the people that can kick your ass and help you, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not this, you know, I demand, you know, the the sort of discipline type based stuff that other martial arts do. But I would argue that the discipline comes organically when you do it. So,
0: so why do you, why do you phrase it? I mean, other than that, it doesn't have the katas or the bowing, the thugs. Why would it's
1: all application, right? Like if something's flowery and it doesn't work, it's gone. Right. You know, like it's, it's, there are some beautiful moves that you would see people doing in like almost every other martial art, right? People doing 360 1080 kicks where they're breaking boards. Nobody's ever going to do that shit, right? In a fight, right? So that that is what I what I mean with, you know, it's a stripped down stripped down application, you know. You've, it's more like wrestling.
0: Right, you know. There's a there's a purpose. Right. And the purpose is to survive or to kill, right? Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you tap, you know, like I know Joe Rogan says this stuff, right? Like if you tap, you die, right? right. I and mean, that's the that's what you're recognizing. Yep. In another situation, you would be damaged beyond, you know, recovery in a lot right. of ways. So, yeah, it's it's real, and you know, it's one of those few things where you can test yourself all out. Yep. Too right. Um, you know, wrestling, you could probably do that in some ways. MMA in some ways you can, but I mean, there's only so many times you can get hit in the head. Right. Right. And you know, when I was doing Kung Fu, man, I used to be doing sparring like three on one sparring, you know, and it was a blast. I mean, it was so much fun and uh, you get super aggressive when you're the one. Right. Right. Which is, which is pretty cool. But I also got hit in the head so hard. I had double vision for an hour. Yep. You know, I'm an academic. I have to teach, right. I don't want to get hit in the head anymore. Mm -hmm. And, but yet I can still push myself to the max. If I, if I want to in a, in a way that is real in jujitsu.
0: So in those first few times that you rolled getting, was it getting smashed and, um, arm barred that the part where it checked your ego, that that's why you fell in love with it. Or what was it that, or did you not fall in love with it until later?
1: Oh no, I was in. Okay. Right, and I was like, I really haven't done kung fu after the first month or two that I started jujitsu. Okay. Um, and there's some things I miss about that other bit, but I have a whole pile of like swords down in my basement from it. <laughs> but, <clears throat> um, no, it 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 made sense. It clicked. Okay. Right. It was like this is something that is it's also an intellectual game too, right? It's, it's a game of chess and, you know, trying to convince your partner or your opponent to do what you want them to do without them knowing it is, is part of the fun. Right. Right. And so it sort of clicked all the boxes. It's super physical. You're building a skill, right? You're getting exercise. Um, you're mentally challenged. And you know, the other thing is, is, I mean, it's also my therapy, right? Like, when somebody's trying to kill you, you can't think of anything else. That's right. Right. That's fucking so true. So t- t- talking about you know meditation is is sort of that attempt too. is like mm-hmm. to get into the now, and there's almost nothing more now than trying to prevent yourself from getting the crap beat out of you.
0: Right. So there is a and and people talk about this a little bit in jujitsu that there's a part where people stop. Right. They go a certain path they get to a certain um point the blue belt blues the blue belt blues and then they stop what pushed you because you're i mean you're doing hard work intellectually right you know you're getting your phd and then you found this and you're and this is pushing yourself too how did you how did you keep sticking to it as you're moving through your primary career
1: oh because i needed it okay right i mean that's the that's what i'm saying like the therapy right like doing a bunch of intellectual only things and you know I could go to the gym and try to get stronger for what reason I don't know right I could try to do some cardio for that healthy sort of deal but that it doesn't make sense to me okay right like if I can do that all with a purpose right that's what makes sense right I've got a goal I get
0: better jujitsu okay but where's the um that's perfect and There's a competitiveness to it as well, right? Mm -hmm. So when did you start figuring out that you wanted to compete a little bit? Or did you? I don't even know if you – I assume that you did some.
1: Yeah, I – back in the day, it was all Grappler's Quests and uh, Mm -hmm. um, what's the other one? Nagas, Mm -hmm. right? Like those are the only two that were around. And and I would drive from – you know, Ithaca to New Jersey, which is about a four-hour drive, and and do competitions there. And you know, I'll be honest; I don't love competitions, right? Because I want to be the best I can be, mm-hmm. prepared, wise to get into that. And you know, we'll we'll talk about sort of journeys about where you know I feel like I am, right? Like. In order to be the best competitive, uh, you know, in a competition, I've got to be selfish. Right. You know, like I've got to be like, I'm training this. I'm going to train this. Like, if you have questions, I don't really care. Right. I need, right. To, I need to focus on me in order to do this. And, mm-hmm. and you should. Right. That's part of what it means to be a competitor. Right. Right. But it's also draining. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, throwing weight cuts on top of that. Yep. Right. Then... You know, sometimes it's worth it, sometimes it's not. But I think it's it's imperative to do it. Right? And right. I will do it when I'm healthy, right? Okay. And I'd never regret it when I do it. I got my blue belt after I won the blue belt division, right? So they okay. back it was a little bit looser in terms of what you could sign up as. So my buddy was like, sign up as a blue belt, wear my old blue belt. And so I did. And I won it and then they're like, Okay, you can have a blue belt.
0: What year was that? Do you remember?
1: Two thousand and two or three.
0: Okay. Yeah. So tell tell me, explain to me whatever the fuck thing the two schools, right? So there's our school or our I don't even know how to say it. And lineage. The lineage. Or? That's a great way of saying it. our lineage that we practice under that I practice under you with, and then I guess the Gracie lineage lineage well, or how it, does how does that
1: it's all sort of part and parcel. So, you know, it all comes down to, you know, the Gracie's training with, you know, uh, count Como, right. You know, back, uh, back in the early 1900s. Right. Right. And so the Gracie's tended to, you know, Carlson and Carlos and those guys sort of had their lineage go one way. And then there's like a sort of another group called the Fadas, um, that trained with them, but then split their own ways. Um, but it all sort of comes down to sort of like one local pot of, of jujitsu in Brazil in the you know mid 1920s or so. And so Novo is what our lineage is, is now through Gustavo Dantas, my instructor. Um, and that was somebody that was from the Gracie side as well as somebody that was from the Fada side. Okay. And it was Novo means essentially like new union okay. and, uh, or, you know it's was tend to it, it was viewed more as the blue collar crew, like the Favela kids. Okay. And, you know, the Gracies were kind of the white collar sort of deal. Okay. So there was that sort of split. But I mean it's all the same. It's all one, right? I mean there's this whole concept of Creonte where you you know, don't go and train at other people's gyms and, you know, have absolute loyalty and um I don't think that holds up very much anymore. No, I would right? say so, right. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people that I would prefer my students to train up, but I'm not going to stop you. Right. You're going to be where you want to be. Right. And if, right. if we have to say, don't train somewhere else, that means we're not doing our job. Right. You
0: know? Right. Yep.
1: And if you want to go, go. Right. Because mm-hmm. why build a toxic atmosphere right in there? So, so I don't really prescribe to that okay. much, but I still do. I like, i super loyal to Gustavo for the opportunities that he gave me and my other, you know, Julius Park and Danny Ives, who I trained with when I was at Cornell and okay. you know, it's like, you know, grateful to everybody that I've trained with. But
0: So how did you fall under Gustavo? How did that, how did that relationship start?
1: So when I finished up at Cornell, my wife got a, got into grad school at Arizona state. And so I asked my, friends back on the east coast where should i go train they're like 100 percent gustavo and so i went luckily it was like less than a mile from my apartment oh wow you know right in the place where i wanted to be and i went in there and pretty much got my first you know taste of like being in an actual school because when i was at cornell i was running the club right there was no gym in ithaca like i would travel to philly and train like 10 hours a day for three days and then go back home and practice that stuff.
0: Oh, no for shit. Three
1: months. Yeah. And so, so you were running
0: the club for yeah, the school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, except for like the first six months. Okay. Right. And so, so that program was, was based on distance learning in some ways. Okay. And watching some videos here and there. But then I wanted to, went to Gustavo's and I was like, Oh, well this is every day where I'm learning things. And so it was pretty cool. Like I had some holes to fill, but, um, I'd been a blue belt for I don't know three years plus, um, so I got my purple belt in like six months and wow. one nationals like two months after that. So
0: under Gustavo, yeah. so you showed up. Did he? Okay, so here's a question: So if you show up as a blue belt right at a new school, do they test you? As they
1: test you, right? Like right? do they
0: put you to the to the to the test to say are you really a blue belt? Yeah, are no. Like- I mean
1: it's it's always. Uh, I mean, you see people like somebody comes in with a new belt at the gym and you can't help it. Like people I know. are like, but oh, what's I'm that try... like for you? What I'm uh, trying
0: to say, what was that like for you to come all the way across to the,
1: yeah, it was, it was exciting. Um, you know, the I had been a blue belt for a long time. I hadn't competed for a long time because mm-hmm. I was focusing on my studies. You know, the right. guy that I started training up, um, actually got his purple belt before I did because he won pans. Uh, blue, okay, you know. And so you know it was it was a very competition based progression there and I just wasn't competing enough. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Gustavo's and I i did just fine and Gustavo was on the um Zoom meeting. I don't know if you watched that or not. I there's didn't. there's mm-hmm. access to it. It's Okay, you know.
0: I'll, I'll get it. Okay. Uh,
1: but you know, you paid one of the biggest compliments um during that. He's like, you know, you have ten people of a certain belt that come in to your gym, maybe one or two are legit. And he's like, you were legit. Oh, so that's why I was able to get my, my purple in like six months. Okay. You know, that was where I should have been at that
0: point. And so what was, what was, what was, so tell me a little bit more about like, what was the journey from there? Like really having an, an instructor in place. And then what, what kept? I don't know how to phrase the question in the sense of. You're now third degree, so like I know that you need it as a meditation, but there is, I mean, there. This is not just. I'm sorry, it's not just therapy. It's this is like a thing you do.
1: Right. No, it's a part of me. Yeah. Yeah, and. You know, I got like I wanted one more shot at worlds at brown belt. Okay. Before I before I moved because I made it to the quarterfinals the previous year and I was like I have got a real chance at winning this thing and but then like I wasn't really digging my particular postdoc because I was working with cats and brains and you know I mean it was interesting work but it was not marine biology right. and stuff so I had an opportunity to go to Maine where I did a postdoc at Bowdoin College which is in Brunswick and so I was going to move and so I got promoted. Right, it's like you're ready. It's just so you got promoted to brown belt, black belt, black belt.
0: Okay, right. How many years? So give me kind of a time. Took me
1: nine years to get my black
0: black belt. Okay,
1: and then it's been nine years to third degree. Okay. After black belt, right? So unlike a lot of the other martial arts, your first black belt is not your first degree, right? It's just a black belt, right? And then three years later you get a first degree. Three years later you get a second degree. Three years later you get a third degree. Five years later you get a fourth degree.
0: So really, your fifth degree takes you another ten years. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. So when you get your fifth degree, you've been a black belt for nineteen years.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: And I fought somebody at worlds. Two people at worlds with fifth degree, so that was fun. Wow. Um. So it's when I went to when I went to Bowdoin, I there was a tiny little club there that people wanted to learn, so I went and taught them stuff for peanuts. Okay. And there was a a good gym, uh j Jack's uh gym called the Academy in Portland, Maine that is an east Easton a, a henzo Gracie sort of affiliation. Okay. And so I'd go down there and they were brawlers and like good dudes and and like so I would want to you know, once every couple weeks I'd try to go down there and get a day in of of rolling there. And then uh so Jess and I were living apart and when she got the position in Kansas. Um, I was like, all right, well, is there a gym here? And there wasn't a gym. Well, there was a, a small gym that I visited, and but they were closing shop. And
0: Here in town? Mm-hmm. God. I remember... Yeah, I, Lawrence I, Jiu-Jitsu that was up yes. in the
1: circus. Yes. Yep. Yes, okay. Yep. And uh, so I was going to think about buying them out, but then Gustavo was like, see, there's another Novu guy Leo Pasani just opened a school here. And I'm like, oh, sweet. You know? And... He's now the head of Kronos, Um, like all the. There's a lot of gems around. Cody Creaky, he's part of that. Okay, and uh, so I taught there for a little bit because they needed somebody because he was actually splitting time between two schools, and you know that's hard to do. Yeah, and that sort of fizzled out, and then I was at one place, and then another place, and then another place, and uh, just kind of being underground, wanting to train. I'd have like eight, ten guys under. Then then I then the, the opportunity to meet with Matt and Heidi came up in early two thousand sixteen
0: and Did you as they were running their school or started their school, did you did you guys cross paths at all or even no,
1: not once. I mean there was somebody that went over there and checked it out and they're like, Yeah, their fundamentals are good and everything and I'm like, That's cool. You know, I'm just gonna do my own thing. Um and it was there, they came from a school that's more self-defense orientated okay um they were still doing like competitions and stuff and i was more from like straight up competition school, and so um sort of the merging kind of made a, a lot of sense yeah right and so we brought our schools together so i think in 2016 we had maybe 20 30 students maybe 30 students
0: okay
1: and then up until COVID we were doing pretty well.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so what's that what's it been like? It's been rough. Yeah.
1: It's been um I mean I wanna train. Right. Right. I know everybody wants to train and we're doing, you know, Zoom meetings and we're doing all that we can to keep people engaged and, and whatnot. If uh you know, it's it's scary to, to keep the doors open, but we'll do it, right? We've got the right community and people that can support us are mm-hmm. doing so. We certainly don't expect anybody to right at this point, but we also want to make sure that we are giving something useful product wise back. So we're doing a lot of zoom classes and online films and you know, as much as we can.
0: That's at that point. as much as um, I am not participating in that because I cannot, it's just, I'll be honest. I cannot stand For me, I just can't learn that way. Right. And then I get really frustrated that I can't. And so then I just choose not to. But for my two boys, it's been... I am super grateful that you guys have continued to do it that way and continue to do something and continue to challenge your students the best you can in this time. Because there are lots of places out there, and I know of them, that aren't doing shit. Right. Gyms that aren't doing shit that people are paying memberships too. And the, and the, and the gym just expects them to pay the membership or not pay the membership or whatever. Right. And you guys are putting content, actual content together and doing shit.
1: Right. And, and we're able to do that. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to even try to throw anybody under the bus. Like other people that have gyms that are running full-time jobs, it's just them. Like no way could they do this stuff. Right. Right. We, again, we've got that, that sweet spot of, of, of people that we can continue to offer this stuff. Right. Too. So, um, but yeah, it's like, we don't want to be a charity case. Right. right? And we're not going to be right. We're going to, you know, when things open back up, you know, we'll be trying to, um, you know, put, um, you know, give people that stuck with us, you know, free month of training, right? you know, here and there, but roll it out, um, as it goes along to, so, Right. So we, we're we safe just in case another shutdown occurs in the fall, which is completely possible.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit because I am as much as I am a fan of taking care of people, you know, it's my job to help people out. I'm really quite frustrated with, um, the lack of, um, knowledge people have, the lack of um, understanding about physical fitness, and the fact that um, you and I rolling together is making us better at um, fighting off shit than the normal person. So the fact that we have to not do what we get to do because of something that the science is even really backing right now. Right. It's
1: right. Well, I I mean, let me preface this by saying I do not voice my opinions very much, uh, especially with regard to like jujitsu. Okay. Um, Because jujitsu is the great leveler, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can have people on the far right and the far left come together and love each other and train. And that's that's the way it is. Right. So, So I refuse to post things. Um, That being said, I am a scientist, Mm -hmm. right? I do have friends that work at CIDRAP that are part of the epidemiology thing. One of them's a black belt in jujitsu and we are torn, right? right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like the coronavirus is not going anywhere. That's right. Right? Um, Flattening the curve does work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That being said the optics of how it would look if we became a super spread event would be devastating. Okay. You know? Think about where most of the super spreading events happened here. Churches. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah, it's my church. Right? Um, and so, being cautious, I think, is the right way to do it. Okay. Right? Um, and it's going to be a challenge when we do open up. Right? I mean, they just... Uh, announced the 1.5 phase, which means that technically group classes still can't be held until June 1st. Right. Um, Might be doing some private stuff. Maybe, you
0: know, as long as it falls within the lines of what we can do. Right. Um, Which they haven't even really made any type of. That's the, okay. That's the thing that pisses me off the most is you can have a dentist right up in your shit, Right. And it's essential. It's essential, but you and I have to stay six feet apart. Right. That doesn't. Do you understand? Like that? Uh, why I, that doesn't fire to me? If well, we're doing,
1: I I do, but I mean, dentists usually aren't sweating in your mouth either. You know, they're wearing a mask and and doing that the stuff. So I mean, you know, being realistically, jujitsu is one of the most um, probably passable thing you can do if you have the coronavirus right right now being healthy and getting it that's your best bet to surviving it sure but you know there are people that are immunocompromised there are Mm -hmm. people that you know you know as males of the species right we uh produce more of a certain protein that might be one of the indicators of why males get hit harder for it, right? I mean, there's biological reasons for it. I mean, I'm a biologist, and this is where the two worlds become really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the few departments at KU, supposedly, that was like, I'm not really that keen on going face-to-face in the fall, was guess what? The biologists, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It's... And seeing things change, right? That's the nature of science, mm-hmm. right? I th- I think that if they, that, that if you didn't look at the worst case scenario, it was a mistake. And I think we're still digging ourselves out of moving too slowly um, in this country based on things, you know.
0: Okay. For just, just for fun, what's the difference between May 15th and june 1st
1: the i i I suspect that the way that the governor and the the administration is looking at it is looking for declines in numbers okay right and now you see like there's more in the meat in a meat packing plant and these other things right of course you you got to throw in the fact of you get increased testing you're going to get increased numbers right it's you know looking at hospitalizations is probably a better better way right. to do that but you know but i would counter with what's the harm in waiting another 2 weeks if it means that we're really knowing that we're okay right well, so so that's the conservative thing
0: well for you for for the jiu jitsu school with a with the great community that we have there is no harm right right but there's harm for people that oh, aren't
1: 100% right i yeah. I, I get it Yep. Right, and you know, it was we applied for a PPP loan. Good for right? you. And our first bank wouldn't really take the the time to do it, so we went to another bank. Right, and we got a little bit. Right, okay. enough to help out some, not a ton, but um, a lot of people can get them. Right, a lot of larger institutions that should not have, you know, eight thousand Catholic churches or something got. Funding from this, which you know, it doesn't really sit that well with me. If it you're tax, well with me, if yeah. you're tax tax exempt, but you know that's the one thing I'll say. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard thing, right? It's it's the way that the infrastructure is set up. It's showing that there are problems, right? I mean, that's yeah. really what it what it is to me, and I do think that things should be opened up within reason. More on maybe a local-based thing, right? If this county isn't doing so bad, you know, maybe this should have a different rule. But Douglas County is actually even more conservative than the rest of the
0: state. I so, know it's really strong. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, actually, it doesn't surprise me.
1: It doesn't surprise me. I mean, but but like, I don't want to. Like, it would be devastating if anybody got COVID from training at our place.
0: But don't you know you what I'm think, saying? But don't you think there somebody's going to get COVID from training in your place? no matter what, maybe some, I mean, right. at some point, right? Right. But
1: if we can slow it down to the point where if it does happen, maybe the remdesivir or whatever it is, is available to reduce the complications. Maybe there's, you know, some other things around available to help. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. I want to open up. I mean, no, don't know, don't get, I get me that. wrong. I, but, know,
0: I get that. But it's interesting because you're one, you're a small business owner, right? right? Two, you're, but it's a it's a contact sport. So right. so I'm trying to get an understanding of like. But I'm but I'm fully recognizing that
1: I'm coming from a place of privilege with this one, right? I've right. got a full time job, right? Right. My business partners are, you know, Matt and Heidi are, you know, one of them's got a full time job. So like I'm worried more for them. Like I, I don't need to get paid for a while to keep right. this thing open, right? And I'm and I'm cool with that. But for people who it's like this is like I gotta eat, right? It's terrifying, right? I'm right. not at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And and I can make sort of more judgment calls based on what type of gym we are, and mm-hmm. this.
0: no, but, I but, think I think you're 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 handling you guys are handling yourselves with utmost integrity. Like I, that's what I get. But when when do we say? We're gonna dip our toe. Like at some point, you we have to jump, right? Right. No, hundred percent.
1: And you know, we've decided that you know we would follow the protocol mandated by the state. Right. And so right now it is no group classes. Okay. Right. Um, but gyms can open. Right. Right. And so is there something that we can do where there's some marked off space that you can do some individual stuff in there with either members of your own family or roommates or something like that? Could probably see that happening. Okay. Right. Um, but we're going to take it smart and, and take it slow. Okay. Right? I don't, you know, we'll have something in play within the next two weeks. Yeah. Minimum.
0: So the, what's interesting about all of this too, is that it says group classes, right? Right. What does that mean? Nobody what is, knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. Right. No. Because, they're not talking about wrestling. No. I mean, they are, and they aren't right there. Somebody's talking to them about it, but not enough to, to understand, right. you know, what's the reality of it, you know? So are, will you guys, for lack of a better word, are we going to, and I'd be willing to sign it some type of saying thing that does, Oh, we
1: are updating our waiver. Good. Good. Yeah, for Good. sure. Right. I mean, that has to happen. Right. right? and, You know, things are going to be different, right? No matter what, like when we start back up, you know, even when we're rolling live, um, for the first bit of time, we're going to keep the same people in the same day in the same class so that if something happens, right, that pod of people might need to isolate for a while, but the rest, you know, could be okay. Okay. You know, so like there's going to be a lot of protections in place. Um, you know, we're certainly going to be smart about it, um, and certainly don't want people to come in and train before they feel comfortable doing so.
0: Right. Right. And any, any type of like, are you guys going to do any like temperature stuff? Yep. We
1: bought a thermometer that we'll have. I mean, problem is, is it may be asymptomatic or, or low things. Right. But it's still, it's a, it's a level that if somebody does it right and comes in with a fever, well,
0: we can turn them away at the door. Well, I mean, and it's good. It's to me, I don't worry. I worry more about the common flu than the COVID, right? In the sense of the flu, I think the data will eventually come out that the flu kills more, and I'm sure people will have something about this. But over time, um, and that's the one that I worry more about.
1: Do you get the flu vaccine? No. You know, I mean, it at least has 60, 70% efficacy Mm -hmm. usually. Right. So, I mean, there are protections in place with the flu that COVID doesn't have right now. Right. That's the thing. Like we've got nothing right now. And you're looking at now kids are coming up with a analog of Kawasaki disease that is linked to COVID.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Like we don't know. And that's the terrifying thing. And that's why I think people taking it slow is in scientifically makes a lot of sense is it strangling the economy? Yeah. That's a terrifying thing too. But those are two different things, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I don't blame anybody for how they feel about reopening and these things. Right. Like I would love it to be like, Oh, we're, we're good to go. Let's roll. Everybody's good. Right. I want to see how Georgia does. I want to see how Oklahoma does. Right. They're open. They're unrestricted. They're training. Yep. Right. And, so far, right now, the the cases are still dropping in those states.
0: So, are are you in? Are you in contact with schools from there? Like, kind of seeing? Do you know people that you? Yeah, can I'm check
1: no, with? I've I've known I'm, I know folks that are, in both of those places. Um, and it's just looking at the overall trends too. Like, yeah. if you if you are going to see it, it's going to be in those places. Fuck yeah, it is. You know? So, um, it's heartening, honestly, that that's what we're seeing. But you're seeing other places like Texas, which had a 20 to 30 percent jump, right? So it's mm-hmm. like it's not the same everywhere,
0: right? So, but is it? You know, you but but is it? Is Texas, you know, testing more? You know, that's that's some of the it, questions it, too. exactly you
1: know? right. No, it no it yeah. is, and I think that's where you got to look at the hospitalizations. And yeah. you got to look at these other metrics yeah. for it too. But um, I, I want an antibody test. I mean, who knows? Maybe we all had it. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't know.
0: I mean, especially if in, in this, what we do. Right, exactly. I mean, if someone, one person brought into our school that right. we are all going to, on some the, level.
1: The, the odds of it, the R-naught is so high that, that the odds of us getting it are,
0: mm-hmm. you know. And we're also the ones that are going to survive it too. You know, the way that we push ourselves, the way that we push our immune systems, the fact that we're sweating all over each other. Right. In general, uh, yeah, like. The point, except for the,
1: like, right, except for the people that, have that weakness right yep. that are compromised right. right and we have those in our gym yeah right so yep. or families have them yeah that's the other terrifying thing i'm not worried about it, people training but what if you go home and you're being raised by grandma
0: yep right yeah so, it's a it's an interesting um i guess dilemma for you guys paradox paradox yeah. for you i mean it's it's different than i think a lot of places have to deal with you yeah. know I think you got, and and that's, and as much as I'm giving you pushback on it, um, it's for us to educate the people that are listening that you guys are thinking about it on a whole different level of thinking about it.
1: Right. And, you know, we are lucky to have the community that we have Mm -hmm. that are like, please keep charging us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I just, I just went, just charge me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, and can I buy some shirts? (laughs) Yeah. and, 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 and that will be repaid eventually by you know, different methods, but you go to a restaurant that can't serve food, right? Yep. It's you go to a hairdresser that, you know, I mean, people can buy gift cards, but there's only so many gift cards you can buy. Right. right. So I get it. Right. Yep. Totally understand. I mean, now tattoo parlors can open again. Right. right. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> that will be interesting. That will be an interesting piece because people don't have, I mean, we see waves of like during certain times where our people come in tax season right. things like that if people don't have money right, right and who's who's a lot of our clientele right waitresses waiters right. wait staff you know restaurant people bar people are you know are a lot of our people they're not more i mean right it's i don't I, I, as much as i think it's going to be rough going for us yeah too luckily it's not my main Gig either I'm, I get to sit from privilege as well, but I got, th- you know, f- three artists that are freaking out. Yeah. You know, it's crazy.
1: No, it's, uh, I mean, it's not good no. any way you, you stretch yeah. it. Um, but
0: similar to the dentist thing, they can go by appointment only. Right. They're going to be, you know, it'll be, di- it's not like you guys, you know, it's just going to be different.
1: Right. A, a good parlor yeah. has already has a lot of safety yep. things at yep. play. Right. So, yep. Yeah, for yeah. us, um, we'll be open as soon as it's prudent yeah. to do so. Yeah, okay. And we get it. Like We get that there are people that just don't want to do the Zoom thing. Like I have a, one of my best friends um, who started Jiu-Jitsu with me because he was my roommate in grad school, then stopped training, and now he's like a four-stripe white belt. He started up again, mm-hmm. and he's loving it, right? Watched one Zoom meeting of his local thing. it's like, I can't do it. It just it just makes me sad. Yep. It just frustrates me. Yep. I'm like, I get it. Right. Um, my meetings, right. Like I, I'm trying to get my back better so I can train. Um, mostly is discussion on on mine, right. right? It's not even exercise, but it's sometimes breaking down videos and and looking at matches and and doing more theoretical type things that Mm -hmm. should be done anyway. Right. Um, it's not ideal for anybody and it's especially hard with things like our gym. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll make it, Heck yeah, You know, um, taxes will be a lot lower next
0: year um, <laughs> I'm sure, for right? sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but then it's like, okay, all these things that we're learning about, you know, we've already been using hospital grade sanitizer. Right. You know, we, we, but there's certain other things that we can add on to it. Right. Mm. I mean, we're not allowing drop-ins at all until phase four is lifted. Okay. Right. You know, we're not. You know, maybe new signups if they're going to stick around and and be consistent, but we're not going to allow people training from other gyms to come in. No, yeah, it's just that's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, limiting the amount of time. I mean, cleaning between sessions, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of crap that we're going to be doing.
0: Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Um, one of the things I'm, I think about is, let's say you guys do an afternoon kids class. Let's just pretend that we were able to do that in the summer. Right. Could you make those kids clean the mats and do I mean like work like work to earn some of that like that kind of old school stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean we make white belts do it. Yeah. You know. Um maybe if we split it to the teen sections or something like mm-hmm. that, if we split it with that, like I'm not going to make like 4-year-olds work on cleaning the mats.
0: Oh, you're still so sweet. Um, I would. <laughs> You that, can make Otto and Jacks do
1: whatever you need them Right. To do. <laughs> well, I mean, those those mops are big and the, mm-hmm. the, the sprayer is heavy, you know. But, no, it's, you know, and, and thinking of kids like that, that old school thing. I mean, the discipline with the kids in jiu is different than the discipline anywhere else. Right. And the discipline with that is like, dude, if you are not disciplined, you're not going to roll, right? If mm-hmm. we don't trust you to roll with somebody, you can't train, kid. Yep. You know, if you're... Mauling off, you're gonna go sit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, but it's not like yes sir, no sir, you know, no, bowing not, all that yeah. stuff. Like yeah. that's that's not part of the the culture yeah. with that. Yeah. But I mean, it's like builds discipline for everybody. Like the discipline, like when somebody is grinding their forearm across your face, and you're just like, I'm gonna wait until you're done, then I'm gonna kill you. right? right. I mean, <laughs> unless you that, can't kill somebody. Well, day. right, right. <laughs> But then you're like, when I learn how to do this, right, I'm, I'm not going to let this happen again, right? I mean, that's discipline, right? right? Like keeping your cool when somebody is trying to murder you is like, that's the discipline mm-hmm. that you get in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That I don't think is, I didn't really get that in kung fu, right? Because I was never threatened as right. much in kung fu, right? That's There's a, discipline,
0: but. That's what I always, um, you know, when I went through karate and then went through kung fu, there was never there was always like you you bowed and you did these things and for the discipline and the and the stuff but it was never i never felt like they stopped in the middle of something to show you what you, one what you did wrong or how to do it right you know what i mean right. like it was always like you just had to figure it out by watching or doing and and kind of boom 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 right and practicing Right. right. That's what I appreciate about you, especially rolling with you, is you'll stop and be like, this is where you fucked this up. This right. is why I got here. You, you fucked here. up a
1: long time ago, but here's where, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but this is, this is why, right? And that's what I love about that because that's the intellectual piece. That's the chess piece. That's the ego piece. Right. You know.
1: Yeah. And there's a, I mean, that's why the, you know, I've been to different gyms and different gyms have different cultures, mm-hmm. right? There are some more alpha type gyms than others. Like, and I, and I was talking to, to Marvin about this yesterday. Cause it was just him and me on the zoom last night. So it was fun. Um, it's like the best thing you can do is find a core group of dudes or, you know, coeds mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable trying your damnedest to murder. Okay. Right. And that you feel comfortable of them doing the same thing to you, meaning like you are going to go fucking hard, but you trust them. Right. And that's a, that's a fine line. Yeah. Right. And there, there are some people uh, in, in our gym, a lot of people in our gym that I would say, sure. You know, I I would totally trust them. There's other ones that I'm like, they're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like they're, they're getting their confidence, you know, mostly I feel it's self-confidence with Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, you can, Go hard, but let go.
0: Right. At that point. Right. I, um, and I know that you, the everybody can put me in check, and that's not, I'm not saying this, but I always worry about my strength with rolling with, like, I'm always cautious about that, and right. that's my own
1: shit there. And, and you should be when the situation warrants it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Marvin is, a beast. Yes. And he's one of the smaller, a few of the smaller women's favorite training partners because he knows how to yes. use it. He does. You know what I'm saying? That's a great example. Yep. And and you can do that same thing um, to other people, right? But mm-hmm. you roll against Mark Clean, use all the strength you got, man. Right. Right? Until you realize that it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. And then you actually have to use technique, right? You got to get that out of your system anyway. Right. So, right. um. People that say don't use strength on your roll, no, you've got to use all your tools, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you compete, right? Are you going to just not use strength when you compete, like in a competition? No, right? right? Just know when to use it, right? And that's what I'm saying. Find that core group of people. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, it's on, right? Mm-hmm. And I will do everything that I have within my toolbox to try to beat you, and you will do the same, and at the end, we'll be both much better for it. Yeah. Right. Perfect.
0: That's a great way so, to end this episode I just want to know one more thing what what's been the other than the therapy of jiu-jitsu for you what has been the the biggest accomplishment for you is like through through this 20-year um, experience
1: I mean per, the biggest thing that I've done mm-hmm. um, personally mm-hmm. would be placing at the world to black belt okay you know I mean I had 29 guys in my division and like two of us weren't Brazilian and you know took third and you know, lost to, you know, the guy that took second who was a fifth degree, fourth or fifth degree black belt, and I lost by points, right? So, like, that was, you know, a good accomplishment. Um, I don't really think about tournament stuff all that much. I mean, I, I I would say probably the biggest accomplishment is the school, you know? Yeah. Is, you know, we built the culture right. We have people that have stuck with us that are going to stick with us. We have, you know, it's gratifying to to... I mean, it's not gratifying to see that people are depressed that they can't train with us, right? But it's, you know, a, a kind of a different sort of compliment where it's like, I need you guys, mm-hmm. right? This is this is what I need. And, like, you guys are providing something that is incredibly crucial. Like, do I think I impact more people on a deeper level in jiu-jitsu than I do in biology? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: right. I still
1: get them in biology on occasion. But, you know, on the whole... Right. Influencing somebody's like well-being is, is really what we're doing in jujitsu. Yeah. so Awesome.
0: Thanks man so much for coming on. I appreciate yeah, it. It's been a great conversation. Cool. I'll be back soon. All right. Thanks everybody. Remember perseverance later.